Happy Juneteenth and thank you for joining me today. This story begins with seven debates and they were all held in seven different towns. And these debates were of so much public interest that tens of thousands of people showed up to them. The whole thing was reenacted in 1994 by C-SPAN. They reenacted what is still viewed today as one of the greatest political debates in American history. I'll make sure to link that in the description of this episode. But this debate was held in 1858 between two senators, state Senator Stephen Douglas and a young Republican politician running to replace him named Abraham Lincoln. Uh, the senatorial candidates debated on several matters, but one of the most important matters in the country at the time, one of the most important and crucial issues in the country at the time was, of course, slavery. Lincoln was vehemently opposed to it, while Douglas remained convinced that the issue should be solely left up to the states to deal with. And after all that travel and popping out of windows, Abraham Lincoln, he lost that election. He won the popular vote, but the way you got to office back then was through the state legislator. And so although Lincoln won the majority of the people's votes, the state legislator did not favor him. They did not choose him for office. So that was in 1858. And even though he lost, he had risen to national prominence for those debates. Two years later, in 1860, there was another election and both politicians, they squared off again. And this time it wasn't for an old Illinois Senate seat. It was for the presidency of the United States. In that election, Lincoln emerged victorious, and Douglas didn't even come in second, not even in third, but fourth place with 4% of the electoral vote. This is the electoral college we're talking about, and Douglas comes in fourth place with 4%. you know how small and teeny tiny of a fraction that is? Well, Lincoln garnered just 59%. How's that for a political comeback? And that was in part because of slavery. It had become a hotly politically contested issue at the time. The Democratic Party was very divided that year, and so the country elected its first Republican president. Hey, let's give this guy a chance. Between the day Lincoln was elected and sworn in, seven states were so afraid of his staunch opposition to slavery that they succeeded from the Union. And those seven states didn't just float in the ether as independent territories. No, a nation was formed. It was called the Confederate States of America with its elected president, Jefferson Davis. And not long after the Civil War began in just two years into office, Abraham Lincoln did something remarkable. On January 1st, 1863, President Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, declaring all slaves in the South liberated. The proclamation by Lincoln also ordered that black men be allowed to serve in the U.S. Army and Navy. The Civil War ended on April 9th, 1865. The North had won, but the following Sunday, Lincoln was assassinated. And even though the Civil War was over, not all slaves, specifically in the South, knew that they had been freed. I mean, the Emancipation Proclamation was widely known, but of course there was some distortion and concealing of information to keep this ongoing. So a Union Major General named Gordon Granger set out to personally deliver that message. And so on June 19th, 1865, he arrived in Galveston, Texas with a force of soldiers to deliver this message, quote, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves. And the connection herefore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor, end quote. Some slaves were not immediately freed, but that message 
had many slaves on cloud nine, essentially. Felix Haywood, a former slave, later said, quote, everybody went wild. We all felt like heroes. Just like that, we were free, end quote. So that's why you may have this holiday off as a federal worker, or that's why you may be out celebrating right now at a local Juneteenth commemoration. It's also Father's Day. Happy, happy Father's Day to all of our fathers out there. That is the history of this day. And before this year, Juneteenth, well, essentially before last year, Juneteenth was just acknowledged and celebrated in individual states. Now it is a federal holiday. And thanks to the many of advocates who've been fighting for this for so long. For example, here's the story of a young 12-year-old black woman named Opal Lee. It was in 1939. Um, Her family had just moved into a new home in a predominantly white neighborhood, this up-class suburban neighborhood. And the realtor told them it would be fine, but it was not. They did... They didn't even essentially last a week in that house. What happened to them actually made the local news an eerily disturbing headlines. This one says, quote, Fort Worth crowd attacks Negroes, end quote. The article continues, quote, Violence exclaimed observance of Negro emancipation here late tonight when a crowd estimated at 500 persons stormed the residence of Otis Flake at 940 East Annie Street. The men hurled rocks at the house and then entered the dwelling and began carrying furniture into the street after Mr. Flake, his wife, and three children fled from the house. Flake moved into the house last Friday. For four nights, police had watched the area, attempting to disperse crowds that assembled on a nearby corner in protest to the moving of Negroes into a white residential neighborhood. End quote. Another headline was quoted, Negro driven out, furniture burned, mob evicts blocks from white neighborhood. That reporting was from the United Press, and they said that police were investigating the riot where the violence transpired. Another newspaper reported that the crowd was around 150 people and later dispersed Saturday night. There were also reports of the crowd being 500 people, but the documentation of the destruction essentially just... Continued, according to police, the mob destroyed furniture, broke windows, and damaged the building. A man was hit with a baseball bat. Youths came into the house, turned on the gas jets, and fled. Even though all that had happened, and this was supposedly under investigation by the local police department, no one was ever really formally held accountable. No one was actually arrested, and on top of that, nothing was ever published about the attack or the investigation. Not even the conclusions or the preliminary Results from that investigation. Nothing ever happened. One of the three children who was in that house, traumatized during that just horrific situation, was Opal Lee. She was only 12 years old when that traumatizing event happened in her life. She was interviewed about it earlier last year by... um, Angelique Jackson at Variety, and she said this, quote, People gathered. The police couldn't control them. My dad came home with a gun, and the police told him if he busted a cap, they'd let the mob have him. If they had given us an opportunity to stay there and be their neighbors, they would have found out we didn't want any more than what they had, a decent place to stay, jobs that paid, to be able to go to school in the neighborhood, even even if it was a segregated school. We would have made good neighbors, but they didn't give us an opportunity, and I felt like everybody needs an opportunity. End quote. This terroristic violence happened on Juneteenth. That's what the newspapers were talking about in terms of Negro Emancipation Day. That was in 1939, and Juneteenth has been 
celebrated as a paid state holiday in Texas since 1979, so for like more than 40 years now. It was the first state to do so, and there have been celebrations of this day in other states as well. But Miss Opal Lee has been fighting for a long time to make this a national holiday beyond just state commemoration of it. After the nation elected the first black president in 2008, Barack Obama, Ms. Lee wrote a letter to him. In 2016, President Obama's last year in office, she decided to go to Washington, D.C. herself. Not by car, not even by plane or by train, but she walked. Literally, she walking from Fort Worth, Texas, all the way to the nation's capital, along with supporters. She was 89 years old when she did this and planned to come with a petition of more than 100, of approximately 100,000 signatures. But she didn't get that. She got 1.5 million signatures instead as of September 2020. Although she was unsuccessful, she nevertheless persisted. In February of 2021, the legislation to make Juneteenth a national holiday was reintroduced, and just recently, the Senate passed it unanimously, just last year. In the U.S. House of Representatives, of course, although I should mention, the bill passed 415 to 14. 14 white Republican men apparently don't think commemorating the end of slavery is a good thing. That will forever be their legacy. 14 white men. Republican, don't think commemorating slavery is a good idea. I mean, commemorating the end of it. But of course, altogether, the vote in the party was pretty overwhelming. Democrats and Republicans making this a bipartisan commemoration of ending slavery. After the House passed it, this was the reaction of Democratic Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, who's been working on making this happen for a long time. That's followed by the reaction of 95-year-old Opal Lee, who says she was overwhelmed with emotion when this happened. On this vote, the yeas are 415 and the nays are 14. The bill is passed. Isn't that often when you can stand on the floor of the house and use the terminology, I feel full or filled? It is a terminology that many of us are familiar with in the religious communities of our black American tradition. But after a journey of 10 years, I just want to take this moment for thanking all of my colleagues, Democrats and Republicans, who showed America that there is unity in the understanding of our history. That history of slavery is the original sin and should never be ignored. But now we have a national independence holiday for Juneteenth. Let us come together. Thank you to Senator Markey, Senator Cornyn. Senator Smith was with us as well. My friend Danny Davis as well. Doug Matthews, the Moody family, and of course, Reverend Thomas and many others from the Galveston area Opal Lee, and the father of Juneteenth, the late Representative Al Edwards. Opal Lee still lives. She brought 1.6 million petitions to the United States Congress in the dead of summer. And so on behalf of all who have waited for this, I thank them. And to the Congressional Black Caucus, Joyce Beatty is the chair. We stand here as the conscience of the Congress, thanking them with all my colleagues. Again, we say, our message is our power. We are here to serve, and there's more to come in changing lives for justice, equality, and freedom. That is what happened today. I yield back.
I've got so many different feelings all gurgling up here. I don't know what to call them all. I'm so delighted to know that finally we've got a Juneteenth bill passed. President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris also commemorated the legislation at a White House ceremony last year and gave credit to Ms. Opal Lee for her valiant efforts on making Juneteenth a national holiday. So throughout history, Juneteenth has been known by many names. Jubilee Day, Freedom Day, Liberation Day, <clears throat> Emancipation Day, and today, a national holiday. For more than two years, the enslaved people of Texas were kept in servitude. For more than two years, they were intentionally kept from their freedom. For more than two years. And then on that summer day, 156 years ago, the enslaved people of Texas learned the news. They learned that they were free and they claimed their freedom. We are gathered here in a house built by enslaved people. We are footsteps away from where President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And we are here to witness President Joe Biden establish Juneteenth as a national holiday. We have come far and we have far to go. We're blessed to mark the day in the presence of Miss Opal Lee. As my mother said, God love her. I had the honor of meeting her in Nevada more than a year ago. She told me she loved me and I believed it. <laughs> I wanted to believe it. Miss <laughs> Opal, you're incredible. A daughter of Texas, grandmother of the movement to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. You are an incredible woman, Ms. Opal. You really are. She's made it her mission to see that this day came. It was almost a singular mission. She's walked for miles and miles, literally and figuratively, to bring attention to Juneteenth, to make this day possible. By making Juneteenth a federal holiday, all Americans can feel the power of this day and learn from our history and celebrate progress and grapple with the distance we've come, but the distance we have to travel, Jim. You know, I said a few weeks ago, marking the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre, great nations don't ignore their most painful moments. Great nations don't ignore their most painful moments. They don't ignore those moments in the past. They embrace them. Great nations don't walk away. We come to terms with the mistakes we made. After those remarks, there was a signing by President Biden officially making Juneteenth a national holiday. Uh, that was just last year. Now it is a year uh, after that. And the grandmother of this federal holiday, Miss Opal Lee, is still adamant about it and plans to march again 2.5 miles 
through her hometown of Fort Worth, Texas, as we are continuing to celebrate this national holiday one year since it became a federal holiday. I mean, 1979, Juneteenth, this obscure almost holiday in terms of what we view as the national historical commemoration to ending slavery, this gross, erroneous, atrocious, unscrupulous human action back in the 1800s. As we, what we have all, always known as the end of that horror. I mean, that was not the case. It was not actually in 1865 when President, um, it was not actually in 1863 when President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation Act into, into law, essentially. It was not that. It was actually two years after that, that a Union soldier, Union General Gordon Granger has to come to Texas and has to inform these poor slaves that yes, you have been free. You are free. You have been free. You were free for two whole years. I'm sorry that it took this long. I'm sorry for that mass great deception. The civil war is over. You are free. And so as we commemorate this, as you may be at a local barbecue right now and celebrating this, as we just commemorate this as a nation, it is worth remembering the people that actually sought and fought for this to become a national federal holiday, the commemoration of Juneteenth. Miss Opaly, who was literally victimized, who was literally traumatized as a child at 12 years old, as what was then known as Negro Emancipation Day. That event in her life, that trauma, she used it and it sparked something in her into making this, into having that much energy to make this a national holiday with all that persistence and with all that adamant. This was her uh, earlier this week. Opa Lee, who many consider the grandmother of Juneteenth. At 95 years young, yes, that Opal Lee shows no signs of slowing down. Her life story has become legendary for her unwavering mission as the grandmother of Juneteenth. At what point did you decide that you wanted Juneteenth to be a national holiday? I felt like I hadn't done enough. I was 89 years old when I got to thinking about it. I just decided. So it wasn't until then, it wasn't until 89. No. Mm -mm. I was old as dirt. <laughs> I um, decided that maybe if a little old lady, 89 years old, in tennis shoes, walking from Fort Worth to Washington, somebody would pay attention. And they did when she started Opal's Walk. Trekking two and a half miles at a time. For the two and a half years it took for General Gordon Granger to arrive in Texas and inform enslaved black people of their freedom after the Emancipation Proclamation in 1865. She delivered 1.5 million signatures to Congress, clinching victory when legislation passed last year. The bill is passed. It was signed by President Biden at the White House. 
establishing Juneteenth National Independence Day. What do you think of when you look at that pen? That it has done so much for freedom. Long before the former school teacher and mother of four launched a national campaign, her recognition of Juneteenth came at an early age. When I was a little one and we lived in Marshall, Texas, we'd go to the fairground. There'd be games and food and food and food. I'm here to tell you, it was like Christmas. But June 19th wasn't always a celebratory occasion. In 1939, when Opal was 12 years old, her family moved to a home at this corner in Fort Worth that was torched by a white mob. The paper says there were some 500 folk who gathered. They drugged the furniture out and burned it. Burned the house, too. My parents never, ever talked to us about it. Not ever. Why do you think that was? I don't know. They accepted what had happened. Acceptance, but for her mother, not defeat. After that house was destroyed, she worked untiringly till she got another one. I say that maybe I got my tenacity from her. I've got a long way to go. <laughs> that tenacity is now driving Opal to erect a new national museum on her own land, dedicated to telling the story of Juneteenth. People think it's a black thing when it's not. It's not a Texas thing. It's not that. Juneteenth means freedom, and I mean for everybody. For those who come after you, what do you want them to know when they hear the name Opal Lee? I want them to know that the little old lady dreamed, and they can dream too, and that dreams can come to fruition. In Fort Worth, Texas, Nicole Killian, CBS News. That was reporting from CBS News as we celebrate and commemorate uh, the anniversary here of Juneteenth, this national holiday. Of course, Miss Opoli playing a very, very influential role in making that happen, getting 1.5 million signatures, getting that to Capitol Hill, and this officially becoming a federal holiday. We'll be right back. Whether you put down your phone to be there for your daughter or pick up your phone to call a helpline for your roommate When it comes to mental health now more than ever every action counts 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show. We are going to have another episode being released later today, a special on the anniversary of Watergate, also drawing a historical comparison to what we are dealing with now as a nation with the January 6th Select Committee's hearings. Bombshell reporting and bombshell, just another blockbuster week of hearings for the January 6th Committee, two hearings that transpired this week. We're going to have special reporting on that later today. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show, the commemoration of the Juneteenth federal holiday. Take care. I'll see you soon.